Hey, y'all. I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Welcome back, Leader of Learning, to episode 54 of the Leader of Learning podcast. At the start of the show, I want to do something that I would be remiss if I did not do as part of the Education Podcast Network, and that is to wish a wholehearted congratulations to Casey Bell and Matt Miller. You heard Casey's voice at the top of this show from the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, and the congratulations is for hitting one million. Yes, I said that correctly. One million. I feel like Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. One million downloads of their Google Teacher Tribe podcast. To put that number in perspective, just to give you a frame of reference, in podcasting and in the education field, you're doing really well if you're getting 20, 30, 40, 50,000 downloads of your show every year or two. Their show, I believe, has been around for three years. My show, again, as, as reference, has been around a little over two years, and we're coming up on 30,000 total downloads, which is great. And that puts us in the top 100 podcasts in the education how-to category all the time. But their show in almost three years now, hitting a million downloads, that is truly special. So Matt and Casey, congratulations. Also, congratulations to Chris Nessie, who is not only the founder of the Education Podcast Network, but is also the producer for that show. So congratulations to you guys on hitting one million downloads. Back to episode 54, I have a great guest this time. Tim Cavey is not only another podcasting friend of mine, but a great educator and someone who's really pushing education forward in our neighbor to the north, Canada. He's an eighth grade teacher and the host of the popular Teachers on Fire podcast. Tim and I have gotten to know each other pretty well as we are both education podcasters. And I thought his perspectives and the knowledge that he shared in this episode was really exciting for me as we talked a lot about creating and consuming content to be more evidence-informed and to really better ourselves as educators. Tim actually shares that he just finished a master's degree in which he wrote a research paper all about using podcasting for this purpose. So I'm really interested in having you hear this interview with Tim and to hear what he thinks about this subject. Without further ado, here is Tim Cavey. Well, Leader of Learning listeners, I once again have an amazing guest. I've mentioned this before, but I really believe it that I think season three of Leader of Learning is shaping up to be absolutely the best season yet because of these amazing guests. And this time around this episode, we have Mr. Tim Cavey, the host of Teachers on Fire podcast, as well as some other projects that he's involved in that we'll talk about soon. But Tim, welcome. Thank you for joining me. And uh, if you could, please introduce yourself to the listeners. 
Dan, thank you so much for having me, man. What a pleasure to be here. We've been in touch for some time, and and now I get to appear live on the show. Well, not live, but on the show. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm an eighth grade teacher, homeroom teacher in Surrey, BC, Canada. And as you said, I'm the host of the Teachers on Fire podcast. We're approaching 100 episodes. It'll be past that, I guess, by the time this episode is released. And I'm also getting involved in some other pet projects, which are a lot of fun as well. And, and we might get into some of those. But in a nutshell, that's that's kind of, oh, and I'm just completing my master's degree. So that's very exciting as well. That is exciting. And we will also talk about that because, um, well, we'll get there in a few minutes. But all right, let's back up and talk about the Teachers on Fire podcast, because I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that is kind of where you got started on making this shift to be more of a content creator than a con- than just a content consumer. And um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like it's really picked up steam and has gotten quite popular. And, and uh, just take us back to why... You you got started on doing the podcast, why you continue to do it, and, and what you've gotten out of it. Well, thanks a lot. I love talking about it and, and sort of looking back at the Genesis story. So I would say I've been a podcast listener. Now, I have to back up and say I've been doing a lot of podcast research lately, Dan. So this is all fresh in the mind. But podcasts came out in the early 2000s, around 2004, is when they think the podcast term was first coined. And I was a listener, I would say, right from the very beginning or from the early years. And at the time, I listened to Dave Ramsey, if you know him. And I started picking up some sports shows. And then moving into the the mid-2000s, if, is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I started listening to entrepreneurship and business kinds of podcasts. And I can't even remember how I landed there, but they were interesting to me. And one of the messages that some of those podcasters put out a lot is create content. We live in a phenomenal time where you can share your message and create content for free and share it with the world. And so yeah, I started to get excited about this idea of creating an educational podcast. One of my favorite business and entrepreneurship podcasts was called Entrepreneurs on Fire, and that's with John Lee Dumas, and he still produces his show. At the time, it was a daily show, and it followed a fairly prescribed format, and I started looking forward to you know the questions that he would ask each guest. And I really liked his format. And so I started to think, is there something like that over in the education space? And at first, I couldn't really find much by way of education podcasts. And so, of course, since getting into Teachers on Fire, I've discovered there are literally hundreds of us out there, including yourself, doing this. And it's awesome. It's amazing. But yeah, that was kind of my origin. And I think going back to some of those entrepreneurship podcasts, people like John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn and Gary Vee and Chris Drucker and, and others, you know, they all preach this message of content creation, which I think fits so well with our message to our learners as well. I think it's a message that translates really well into the classroom. And we might get into that some, some of that as well. But yeah. So yeah, and mm-hmm, go ahead. And so the the idea then in you know I I believe that we both really share that why about why we started podcasting in terms of creating the content. But as far as the Teachers on Fire show is concerned, the idea was really to highlight 
great teachers doing great things, right? Yeah, exactly. I think George Kuros has an expression, and I'm still not going to get it right, but it's basically, how can you make learning go viral? And I love that idea because we have this opportunity through this medium, through this platform to share the brilliant ideas and practices that other educators are doing on a daily basis. So yeah, it's, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Not every educator is going to listen, unfortunately, (laughs) to education podcasts on their commute, but many will. And I think it's just a phenomenal way to get to know other educators, to hear what is happening and to share ideas. So the the slogan, if you will, of my show is Profiling Agents of Growth and Transformation in K-12 Education. And I, I know that's what you do as well with maybe a little bit more of a leadership emphasis, but it's, you know, it does take some work, but it's, uh, I think, a, a high calling in a sense, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, you got it, man. I I love the way that you are using the show to highlight educators. Um, although it's kind of defunct now, I had started up a Flipgrid a couple years ago toward the end of the school year called Teacher Feature, where uh, we started really sharing about teachers we were working with or maybe even other educators that we were connected to on social media who we just wanted to give shout outs to and, and uh, you know, advertise and, and market the way that that teacher was doing really great things, you know, in their schools and in their districts. So I really appreciate that aspect of it. Let's be honest, we both uh, will probably attest to the fact that sometimes education gets a bad rap and you need that that positive marketing, let's say, and, and getting other people to realize just what is really amazing that people are doing in their schools and out there in the field of education. I just want to jump on something you said too, Dan, about Flipgrid. So in my master's thesis, I've been looking closely at educational podcasts. And in some ways, podcasts don't seem to fit within the web 2.0 tools of professional learning networks that we associate with Twitter and Facebook groups and so many of these other environments. And I say that they don't appear to fit at first glance because they are one directional. And in some ways, they're kind of a form of static content. But once you dig a little deeper, you see all the other associated means of communication, right? So you and I are having this conversation on your podcast, and then we can engage further about this conversation on Twitter, on Facebook, maybe on LinkedIn and, and other environments, and they're all connected. And so... Some researcher coined the term architecture of participation, and I really love that. Just last week, I saw actually one guy in my Twitter PLN, Jim Meta. I hope that's, I I believe that's his real name, Jim Meta. And he has put together a Flipgrid Wakelet curated collection of video responses to the podcast that he listens to. And I just thought that was so amazing when I stumbled on that, that here is this educator who is sharing his learning and reflections in a, a video way. So I, yeah. I hope. No, I saw I that hope actually. We're getting into more of those reflections. Yeah, did you see it? Yeah, sorry to cut you off. I did see that, and and while you're talking about it, I also wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Randall Sampson. If you haven't yeah. met Dr. Randall, he he's awesome. Uh, he's got such amazing energy, and probably a lot of the pictures that you've seen him in, he's carrying this WWE championship belt like 
belt that he, you know, he really loves people to be champions of education and champions for kids. Um, I love getting to spend time with Randall uh, when I've seen him at conferences and stuff. But the reason I mentioned his name and the reason why I believe your friend, what, what's his name? Jim Meta, you said? Jim Meta, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the reason maybe he's he's created that uh, Flipgrid and Wakelet curation is because Dr. Sampson is really big on uh, using alternative professional development measures to gain uh, master's level college credits. Uh, so graduate credits for professional development based on listening to podcasts, um, going to conferences, all the, all of these other ways that teachers and educators are developing themselves that's outside of your typical and traditional PD. I love that. I've not really taken advantage of it, but I would imagine that with all the podcast listening and, and creating that you and I do, we'd probably earn many, many college credits for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in some ways that takes a bit of the shine off it, Dan, if, if Jim is actually just doing that to complete course credits <laughs> but you know it's still amazing it's- well no i still I don't, I don't mean to i don't mean to like deflate your uh, balloon there a little bit or but but no i still think it's really cool and and maybe he's not oh, yeah. i have no idea but um still that that someone really puts that much stock into what they are you know the content they are consuming and reflecting on what that means and how much it means to them professionally i think is awesome regardless of the outcome oh no totally i'm i completely agree and i mean that's the point that i'm trying to make is we want to make this reflective we want to make it two-way you and i dan are part of a group of podcasters and one of the questions we've wrestled with is how do we invite our guests to actually contribute and engage with the ideas that they hear on the podcast. And so, yeah, I got excited because to me, this is one way to do that. And I hope more people will will jump on this, this model of video engagement with content. I think it's super exciting. And, you know, I'm going to shout out another great podcast and and some mutual friends of ours, the On Education guys, Mike and Glenn. Uh, if you haven't listened to yes. On Education, amazing, amazing podcast, and they're building quite an amazing brand along with it and now at this point. But they mentioned something on one of their episodes recently about um, the word segue and, and how people kind of get tired of hearing it. But I believe in my heart of hearts that you just provided a pretty good segue because you were talking a little bit about the research you're doing in your master's and for your thesis around this idea of podcasting uh, consumption mostly, right, to, for professional purposes. So here's what I'm wondering. And I'm going to take you back a few months to a conversation that you and I had on Voxer about research in education. Um, we're both researchers right now, uh, you at a master's level and me at a doctorate level, and we discussed the importance of or really the place of educational research in schools. Um, let's go back and, and kind of revisit that a little bit because I think it was a really important and timely conversation. And I've heard it come up a little bit here and there or seen it rather on, on Twitter and things of that nature that educators need to maybe bring in research more and make sure they're really doing what research says they should be doing versus what they see on Pinterest and Twitter and, you know, stuff like that. What do you feel about that? Well, something that just showed up in my staff meeting yesterday was the idea of being evidence informed. And I, you know, I think that really nails what you're talking about. We can 
I think, you know, Dan, in education right now, we have all of the, as you say, the Pinterest, the Instagram worlds, and those are great. And we have a, a lot of what I would say is sort of popular reading over in the book area, but we have a lot of great ideas and inspiring practices that are not necessarily linked directly to research and not necessarily linked directly to evidence. So yeah, 100%. As educators and it working within the discipline of education, we of all the disciplines hopefully are directly informed by evidence and research as well. And so we want our practices to be founded on not just what feels good or what someone else is doing, but what actually works for learners. And, you know, our, our school paid a lot of attention to John Hattie, who is, I, I kind of feel like he is the king of academic research in some respects. And yeah, I agree. My former district really believed a lot in the, the visible thinking or right. visible learning uh, research that he conducted. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, his some of his reading is a little bit drier, for sure. It's not as fun as, let's say, some of the DBC books that I also love. But yeah, when you're working with John Hattie and visible learning and a lot of the material that is coming up from his organization, you know that it is founded in, in some cases, in thousands of studies. So yeah, I think it is really important to make sure that we know that what we're doing works. Hey, Leader of Learning listener, it's Dan. I'm sorry to interrupt the show, but I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a loyal listener. I also wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity to further support the show. Being a podcaster is something I enjoy very much, and with your help, this show has grown to be one of the most popular education podcasts. We consistently rank toward the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. However, podcasting can also get expensive. And as the show continues to grow, so too do the financial obligations that go toward things like website and audio hosting, recording equipment, and branding materials. So far, with the exception of small amounts of money I get every few months for running advertisements, I've been completely self-funded. If you get value from the content shared on this show, I hope you'd consider contributing. To find out more information, please visit leaderoflearning.com slash support or visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash leaderoflearning. Both links are in the show notes and you can click on them right from your podcast app while still listening to the podcast. Thanks so much. And now back to the show. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, you brought up 
the educational book aspect of it. And I'm not here to throw anyone under the bus and, and bash any of the amazing uh, authors or publishing companies that are out there at this point. I think, quite honestly, they have been tremendously inspirational to so many. I mean, th- thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of educators. However, I think we do find that, quote unquote, educational publications I don't know. I was going to say often. Yeah, I'm going to go with often. Okay. They often are a little touchy feely, for lack of a better term. They talk a lot. It's much more narrative uh, and talking about experiences and trying to connect with readers and other educators. And so I get that piece, but maybe lacking some, some deeper research and some real theory behind it. Would you agree? 100%. And I, again, I've really, really enjoyed some of the books that I mentioned from Dave Burgess Consulting, for example, who, you know, I I think of Sparks in the Dark, for example, by Todd Nesloni. And I really respect him and his co-author and a number of other books, Balance Like a Pirate with our mutual friend, Sarah Johnson. And, you know, I could go on. So these books are, are valuable. They're inspiring. But I agree when you want to get a little deeper, when let's say assessment, when you want to think deeply about assessment and in that area, we want to link our practices closely again with research. I'm repeating myself, but yes, I do think it's important to get into some of the the books with cited research with, uh, you know, backed by studies and make sure that we know why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And, um, you know, it's funny because as a doctoral student and someone who is in the thick of writing my dissertation and being entrenched really in research, um, I see the need for it. Absolutely. Like you're saying, but I personally, I don't want to become that guy who's like, you know, I guess, for lack of a better term, like that nerdy sort of educator who keeps going back to, well, this theorist and and this researcher, you know, because I think that's very unnatural and and it turns people off. Um, But yeah, I I think that understanding why you're doing something, understanding um, the the evidence-based practices that are behind uh, the daily decisions that teachers are making in their classrooms is important. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the best way is to go about that, though. I don't see people going into uh, libraries or online, uh, (laughs) you know, research libraries too much. But I guess my advice would be just, you know, kind of do your fact checking. Right, like reading educational books is awesome. Listening to podcasts is is great. Hey, we're two podcasters, and we want to plug our shows and get as many people listening as as possible. But really doing your fact checking and and making sure that you are staying as relevant as possible in terms of the the current research is, is important. Dan, I just think that for so many educators out there, I think it's a victory already to have them tuning into professional learning networks at all. And so what I mean by that is there are still a lot of teachers out there who really could, and I, I don't want to have, give this a negative tone, okay? But there are so many educators who, let's face it, they have no interest in listening to an educational podcast or starting an educational Twitter account or reading an educational blog. They are doing their thing, whatever their thing is. And so I think victory number one is just inviting and connecting teachers in this space 
and in the social, pardon me, in the professional learning network space. And then once they are here and once they're engaged and they have that growth mindset and they are, their practice is evolving and improving forward, then call them up to uh, maybe a little bit of a higher level in some cases. So yeah, you know, and, and I'll admit it too on my show that a lot of teachers just will not read graduate level research. It's too dry. And you and I both know that, yeah, it, it can be, dry. <laughs> you know, when, when you're coming across a citation every two sentences, that's not the most entertaining reading. But yeah, it's, it is important and it has its place for sure. Yeah, no, totally. And, and it's almost like, based on what you just said, a step-by-step process, let's say, where teachers who really want to step up their game as educators uh, will maybe first and foremost get connected and find their tribe, you know, form a PLN, whether that's through a social medium like Twitter or you know, we enjoy Voxer very much. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just uh, did a research interview where, where someone is doing doctoral level research on social media for educators. And I talked quite a bit about Voxer, um, you know, of course, reading publications. But then maybe that that last piece of the puzzle is the fact checking research part. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a little bit of that um, that ladder effect where you sort of need to climb the, the ladder of uh of connectedness and mm-hmm. of uh, professional learning. I don't know. But uh, here's what I really wanted to ask you about, too, as we wrap up. And I appreciate all the talk about the research and, and connectedness and finding your PLN. Um, I wanted to make sure I gave you time to talk about those other projects that we kind of teased out before. So, again, Tim has the uh, Teachers on Fire podcast. Amazing. I've listened, I think, from the start, really. Uh, and you've brought on some great guests, and I've learned so much from your show. But you also now have another podcast, Teacher Blogs, as well as this Teachers on Fire magazine. And uh, both of them are picking up quite a lot of steam. So please, if you could explain about what you're doing with that as well. Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, the, so the Teacher Blogs podcast is based on the idea that there is so much good blogging happening and so much good writing, and we just don't have time to read it all. But there are a lot of us. I think you have a longer commute, uh, Dan, and we have uh, some friends who have even longer commutes, three hours a day in the car. And so for educators in those situations, in those contexts, it just makes sense to produce more good listening. And so the Teacher Blogs podcast is basically a an opportunity for bloggers out there to go ahead and read their own content, record themselves on their phone and share that clip with me. And that's all I've been doing is is basically flipping out those clips. And so what you have is an audio form of of all of these great blog posts. And so that's the Teacher Blogs podcast. At the time of recording here, Dan, I've gone through a really strenuous week with my thesis work, and so I'm a little behind on the Teacher Blogs podcast, but my goal is to put out three episodes a week. And then over on the Teachers on Fire magazine, thank you for mentioning that as well, that's at medium.com. And not everyone is familiar with Medium, but basically Medium is a curated uh, aggregator of, again, blog posts, and it's presented in a... Uh, a pleasing format, let's say, but it's again, the, the big emphasis is on the curation. And so, you know, their goal is to try to generate high quality. 
And I've got a publication called The Teachers on Fire magazine. And so I'm inviting writers to submit pieces to the magazine all the time. And as more writers join the team and as we publish more pieces, then it just gains a higher profile within the Medium platform. And and so we get more eyes on the work that is happening there. And so that's been really exciting and fun as well. And and frankly, Dan, I am, as I end my thesis work here, I'm excited to get get back into writing as well. My writing won't always be graduate level and heavily cited work. In fact, most of it will not be, but hopefully it will be founded in some good research and, and good pedagogy and, and be of value to other people. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that as well. That's great. And what I appreciate most about what you're doing is trying to hit on various um, media, modalities. you know, in, in terms of, yeah, modality. That's a good, that's a good word. So like some people enjoy reading things. Some people enjoy listening. I, I, you know, you mentioned my commute. I would much prefer to listen to a podcast or in that right. case, a blog post, than sit there to take the time and, and read it on the computer or, or on a device. Um, and I love that. And what else I love about uh, all the stuff you're doing is, you know, you have a podcast, I have a podcast, and let's face it, both of us want as many people to listen as possible, but it's not in competition with one another. Uh, it's all about, you know, being connected and supporting one another. And so I just want to, you know, get it out there on record and on the air to say that I've really appreciated the connected, you know, the, the way that we've connected over the past uh, year, year and a half and, and how we've supported each other. You've supported me and the way that we really have started to push each other. So thank you very much for that. Thanks for coming on and giving us some time here before we go. Uh, you know, let everybody know where they can find you out there. Well, the appreciation is mutual, Dan. I've enjoyed your smooth sounding voice long before I actually came to know you. So thank you for doing this, producing this podcast. And by the way, for sharing so vulnerably from your own journey and your own experiences. I've really enjoyed that as well. People can find me at Teachers on Fire, and maybe I'll just leave it at that. Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever I can be found. Yeah, wherever you are, hopefully I'm there. That's a better way to put it, but Teachers on Fire. Perfect. And of course, uh, links to everything that Tim is putting out, podcasts and uh, publications, online publications and blog posts will all be in the show notes for this episode. Tim, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, you know, I'll talk to you soon in the, in the Voxer land. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Thank you for joining me on this learning journey. And yeah, once again, I've learned so much from you and I, it's just a pleasure to partner with you in the educational podcast space. So keep up the great work. My thanks to Tim for being a guest here on episode 54. If you are not already subscribed to Tim's podcasts or following him on social media, definitely go out and connect teachersonfire.net or Mr. Tim Cavey. You can find him on just about every social media. And, you know, I think following up this episode, my thoughts, and I probably don't share this enough, but if you want to get involved in creating content, maybe it's blogging or hopefully even podcasting like Tim and I do, definitely reach out to us. I don't know that I spend enough time on this show explaining how I got into podcasting or even going into some of the more technical details about podcasting, but I like to think that I have a lot to share on the matter. So if you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, ideas, or there is anything that you're wondering about in terms of podcasting, maybe creating a podcast from scratch, reach out to me or Tim 
or any of the amazing educators and podcasters that are out there and really do it if that's something that you've been thinking about doing. I would highly encourage you and support you in any way that I possibly can. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I hope you will also tune in two weeks from now in episode 55 as I talk to the amazing Chrissy Romano Arabito, who had a book recently published about working with introverts in your classroom. See you next time. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are, or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.